if you've been following the reading plan here at Mercy Hill, uh, this past week we've been reading uh, in the book of First and Second Peter. And I've found that there is so much in that passage, and it's been really interesting, some of the, some of the things that um, the Lord talks us about uh, through that passage. And this morning I'll be bringing to you uh, the message, the passage in, in Second Peter, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Second Peter, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. I'll go ahead and read. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Christ Jesus, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. Um, I've got three points to to talk about this morning as I share the word with you guys. And the first point is multiplication of grace. The second point is multiplication of peace. And third and last is multiplication of godliness. Grace, peace, and godliness are words that are spoken about in this passage that I just read. Now, starting with multiplication of grace... The word multiplication itself, it means growth. God desires us to grow in grace. He gives us grace, and he, de- he desires us to grow in grace. And when Peter re- writes this message, remember that Peter experienced, he, went, he was there when Jesus Christ suffered. And so today he encourages us with this message that he desires, it's, it's almost like a prayer that he, he, he does to us. Like he says, may grace and peace be multiplied with you. Now, many times in Christian circles, we hear a lot about grace. We talk about grace in many different circumstances. Even unbelievers can talk about grace. We hear them talk about grace. Oh, by the grace of God, this happened, right? I've heard this even from people that, people that are Muslims back in Mozambique. They talk about this by grace of God. And we find ourselves talking about it so many times as well. But do we really understand what grace is? That's the big question. What is grace? As I was studying this passage, I found a definition that is very simple, but true. It says that grace is being given what we do not deserve. Grace is being given what we do not deserve. 
What is it that we do not deserve? The forgiveness of our sins. Our, our sins are forgiven, brothers and sisters. If you're in Christ, your sins have been forgiven. Past, present, and future. Isn't that, isn't that good? It's good. Knowing that we have a God, we have a Lord that forgave our sins, past, present, and future. And when we die, when our life comes to an end, we will be with him in heaven. That's pretty interesting. That's pretty good. It's pretty good to know. Now, for us to be able to have this peace, to have this grace that we have today, that we celebrate today, somebody had to do something. Jesus had to hang on the cross for us. That was the price Jesus paid. And so many times we find ourselves um, with our hearts numb to what it really took for Jesus to go through what he went through. And so I was, as I was studying this passage, I found pretty interesting things and pretty sad things, and, and I thought I should share them with you this morning. In those days, at the time of Jesus, crucifixion was the, was the worst punishment ever that could be inflicted to someone. Okay? And so Jesus went through that to give us grace, to die for us so that we would be forgiven. And so what he went through, sometimes we don't really understand. And this is exactly what, made, what got me to study in deep, uh, deeply and to see exactly what, what, what it took for Jesus to go through you know, all that he went through, all the suffering that he went through. For them to punish the person, the be- at the beginning, they would strip the person naked. Okay? And they would tie their hands against a piece of wood exposed, and they would use a whip, and they would whip the person. Whoever it, is that, whoever it is that was a criminal, whatever the crime was, and they, they saw that the person deserved to be crucified, they went through this process. They put the person, exposed them, and start whipping them. And the Roman whip, by the way, was made of strings, with pieces of metal and bone attached to the ends of the strings. And the intention of that was to tear off the skin of the person being whipped. They wanted to tear off the skin and the muscle. And so the body of the person was just exposed and they would whip them. And this is what Jesus went through for him to forgive our sins. He went through this. Once they whipped the person, they required the person to take their own cross, they put their, the, the, the cross on the person with the wounds, the open wounds. The person carried their own cross and they walked all the way up to the crucifixion place. And you can imagine, this cross was not like something made of finished wood or smooth wood uh, Treated, none of that. It was a rugged 
piece of wood that would be, you know, on their back or on their shoulder with the wounds on, on there, thrusting all the way there with splinters, splinter, splinters penetrating their skin as they walked th- towards the crucifixion place. And this happened to Jesus. Jesus went through this for him to give us the forgiveness of our sins. At the crucifixion place, when they got there, the way they crucified the person, the legs of the person were, were bent at a, almost a 45-degree angle. And the weight of the person, the weight of the person, they, it fell on the knee, on the, on the thighs. And you can imagine somebody in that position, all the way to the body, you know, on their knees. They easily got tired. And they couldn't bear it anymore. And many times, people were, that were crucified, they died of suffocation because they struggled so much to breathe. It was so difficult to breathe. Jesus went through this. And the intention of all the crucifixion was not only to inflict pain to the accused person, it was also to humiliate them. And so they would strip the person naked in front of the whole crowd, and they would be hanging on the cross in front of the crowds. And passers-by looked at Jesus hanging right there, carrying your sins on the cross. And sometimes we get numb to these things, When we talk about them, we don't let them really speak to our hearts, to the deepest of our hearts. But it's important for us to dive into it and just to understand exactly what it took for God to give us the grace that we sing about, the grace that we talk about. It's not wrong for you to talk about grace. It's good. It's amazing to know that you have a God that gave you grace and you can talk about it, you can share it with other people. But you need to understand what it took for God to give us that grace. It took the life of Jesus Christ. Amen. And at some point, while Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was separated from the Father. He was separated from the Father because of your sins and because of my sins. And he cried out loud, My Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We see this. We can see that Jesus was desperate at that time, being separated from the Father, the Father whom he had been with since the beginning of the ages. He's always shared with the Father. But at this point, because of his love for you and for me, he was hanging on the cross and he was separated from the Father. And this is exactly what happens when we are in our sin. We get separated from from the Father. And you know what? When you and I dive in our sin, we just focus on our sin, we don't want to submit to God, we don't want to submit to Jesus Christ. What we're saying is, Jesus, what you went through on the cross, I understand, but I love this. That's what, I'm, what, that's what we're saying when we do not repent. 
But Jesus has given us grace. He went through that so that you can have access to the Father. You can go to the Father personally. We can have a relationship with the Father. And so in verse 2, he says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. How can we have, how can we have this grace? How can we receive this grace? We receive the grace when we accept the Father, when we know the Father. Now, what is knowing the Father exactly? There are two things. There is knowing about the Father, knowing about God, and there is knowing God. Okay? We can know somebody, and we can know about somebody. When we know about somebody, we heard about that person from someone else, or maybe we didn't spend that much time with them. We didn't have that much interaction with that person, and therefore we don't know them that much. Now, when we know somebody, we have a relationship with that person. Now, knowing God is not only hearing about God. It's not only hearing the message about God. It's also having a relationship, having an experience with the Lord. Okay? So it's you seeking God every day, seeking to maintain that relationship with you, communicating with God, telling Him your thoughts, telling Him your feelings. If you're in a bad mood, telling him, God, right now I'm in a bad mood. Please help me. Making him your friend. That's what knowing God means. I'm not saying, by the way, that it's bad. It's not, it's not good to know about God, to learn about God. You can learn about God. We're here this morning to learn about God, right? We're here to worship God. But also you do need to have an experience, a personal experience with the Lord. And how will you do that? He gives you his word. We've got his word. That's where he tells us about himself. When you pray, he reveals himself to you. He tells you what his desire is. When you walk with him, Every day, he reveals himself to you. My point number two is multiplication of peace. I found a, tif- a definition in, um, in a dictionary, uh, it's a Longman dictionary, that says peace is the absence of conflict or war. Now, when you look at the world today, Does it seem like there is peace? (laughs) Well, we might have different opinions about that, but the truth is, the peace that God is talking about here, the peace that Peter is telling us about here, is godly peace, peace with God. The earthly peace is not very lasting. In 1992, Back in Mozambique, there was a peace accord signed between the government and um, an organization, a political organization, for a ceasefire uh, 
about the war that was happening since 1976. During that war, there was a lot of attacks happening. A lot of people died. A lot of people lost their possessions. A lot of people lost their loved ones. Infrastructures were destroyed. Roads were destroyed. There was a lot of chaos. The economy went down. People were starving. No food anywhere. You know, people had to just find something to eat, you know, to keep, to, uh, to keep their life. It was a time of hardship in Mozambique. Very tough times. But in 1990, some international organizations went to Mozambique to talk to the leaders of the country to get together with the leaders of the other organization for a ceasefire because of everything that was going on. The country was being devastated. And so this conversation, this talk, took two years. Can you guys imagine that? Two years. They would sit and talk about it, and there was no agreement. After, after some time, there was another meeting. They would talk about it. No consensus. For two years, they'd been struggling to find a consensus so that there would be peace in Mozambique. And finally, in 1992, they reached an agreement. They reached an agreement so there would be a ceasefire. And so the attacks, the attacks diminished after the accord, but they didn't completely end. Now, as you can see this, People can, people can compromise themselves. They can say, well, I'll abide to that, okay? I'll do this. But in the end, they, they don't really want to do that, right? But the peace, when you have peace with the Lord, the Lord is faithful. He is faithful. His peace comes into your life. When you have peace with Him, it's different from Someone saying, I will do this, but in the end, not doing it, because God keeps his word. God keeps his word. It's different from men. Men tell you something, and they do something different, right? Like what I just told you. There was a peace agreement. There was a contract, okay? An agreement signed. We will not carry out any more attacks. But yet, they continued doing. And to this day, those attacks are happening. And there's actually another group that came up that's carrying out attacks in the northern part of Mozambique. We don't know where it comes from. It's just conflict after conflict. And people in the world are looking for peace. If you go to Mozambique, you see people fleeing from from their houses, fleeing from those areas, trying to find a peaceful place because peace is good. And even better is peace with God. Amen. Even better is peace with the Lord. So how do we have peace with the Lord? Through the knowledge of God. We do need to know God to have peace with Him. How, how is a person that, have, uh, that has peace with God compared to the person who does not have peace with God? 
I've got a, a couple of points here that I'd like to mention for you guys. The first of which is the person that has peace with God, they don't have any doubts about their eternity. They don't have any doubts. They know that when they die, when this world comes to an end, they will be with the Lord because they're at peace with God. Now, somebody who does not have peace with the Lord, their future is uncertain. It's really uncertain. They don't know. There are so many people out there whose future is uncertain. And we as believers, we need to reach those people. We need to get God's grace to those people. We need to let them know about God's grace so they can experience it personally. Amen. The troubles of the world for somebody who has peace with God are the source of joy. When you go through difficulties, when you go through trouble, when you go through temptation, when you go through persecution, when the times are tough in your life, those troubles, they give you joy because you know that those things are earthly. Those troubles are here on earth. In heaven, there is no trouble. There is no persecution in heaven. Amen. There is no persecution. And that hope gives you, gives you joy when you are in the Lord, when you have peace with the Lord. You have joy. In whatever circumstance you are, you have joy in the Lord. That is the difference. Now, somebody who doesn't have peace with God, the troubles of the Lord, they bring them fear. They bring them anxiety, depression. Sometimes they even commit suicide. Why? Because something they put their trust on has been compromised. Something they put their trust on has been eliminated. I've seen people in Mozambique commit suicide because they lost, you know, whatever it is that they had, they put their trust on. There was a man, he was, he was rich, and uh, at the time there was no banks, you know, the, the area where he lived. Okay, so he made money, and there was, no, there was no bank, and he put his money in a bag, okay? And so every time he would do his business and just bring his money and store it in a bag in his house. And what happened, there was an attack. He did not have time to grab all his money and run with it because the attack was so sudden that he just didn't have time for it. So what happened is he ran away without his money, but the whole time he was running away, he was thinking of his money at home. And in fact, it was taken. By the time he got back, the money was not there. You know what happened? There is, there is something called thrombosis. Uh, it's, it's a disease. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's, it's a type of disease where part of your body gets paralyzed. Only one part of it stays functional. And many times, in, at least in Mozambique, it happens to people that are depressed, people that are, that are too thoughtful about something that they have lost. 
and they abide in that all the time. They think about it. That's all they think about and what they would, they would have done if they, still, if they still had what they lost. And so they end up going through even difficult situations. But when you have peace with God and you trust in the Lord, you know that I am in the Lord. The troubles of the world, they're just temporary. You know that they're temporary. When you're tempted, when you go through a hard time, you know in your heart that I'm going through this in heaven. I'm not going to find this. I'll be with Jesus when he comes. He'll take me to heaven, and in heaven there is nothing like this. There is peace in heaven. There is peace. And you can still have peace while here on earth. You can be at peace with the Lord. Amen? The third point that I'll be talking about it is multiplication in godliness. Growing in godliness. Godliness is a proof of our faith. We show godliness when we believe in the Lord Jesus and we let him work in our hearts. And this happens when we know God. And about knowing God, I remember something that happened back in 2012 when I applied to get a visa for the first time to come to the States. Um, this was a year after my wife and I got married, and uh, we wanted to come over so I could meet her family. And so the process was long and I had to go online to the American embassy in Mozambique and fill in a form and, um, you know, a very long form and fill it in and submit it. And, and after that, I had to schedule an interview at the embassy. So I had to go there at the embassy and be interviewed by the consul. I did all that and I scheduled my interview. And before I traveled to to the embassy, I went to somebody who had, been through, who had gone through that process. And I went to ask, what, what is the interview like? I mean, what did they ask you? What questions do they ask you? And my, my idea was to just have an idea, right, so that I wouldn't get there and just get stuck about something and, and not end up not being able to get the visa. And so he said, you know what? Get to know your wife. I said, what? Get to know my wife? <laughs> Please, explain how. He's like, yeah, get to know your wife. Because when you get there, she might be taken. She might take the interview first. She will be asked questions. And then you will be called next. When she's out of there, you'll be asked the same questions about her so that they know, they make sure that you really know your wife. So that you, they make sure that you really, you're not in that marriage just to, for any weird reason, okay? To make sure that that marriage was not something fishy. <laughs> right? And so, I'm like, okay, then what questions were you asked? He told me, and, I, and I, just, <laughs> I wrote down some of the questions. 
The first question is, the full name of your parents, uh, of your wife's parents. The full names of your, parent, of your wife's parents. And so I was like, their full names, I, I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure I know. She has told me, I remember, but I'm not sure I can, you know, I can say right now. Maybe that's something that I have to work on later. And then he said, names of her siblings and their ages. I was like, wow, really? <laughs> the closest person to her in her family. I was like, oh, I know that. It's her grandma. I know that. And this was before she died. I'm like, oh, I know that. I know the answer. Don't bother about that. I know it. Right? And so he kept, you know, bringing more and more questions. And the other one, he said, her best friend's name. And I remember that she had told me her best friend's name, but at that, at that time, even though she had come to Mozambique, but I, I still couldn't remember her name very well. You know, like, you know, the names that I'm used to are Mozambican names, Portuguese names, and when it comes to English names, I struggle a little bit. But even though I had met her already, I just couldn't remember her name yet. So as you can see, I, I, had to, I had to work a lot to be able to remember all these things. Her favorite color. The name of her first pet. I said, what? <laughs> the name of her first pet? <sighs> we don't keep pets in Mozambique. We don't, we don't even have names for, for pets, like, you know, for dogs or anything. I mean, sometimes people do give names, some weird names, but we, we don't really have pets in the house like, you know, people here do. And, and, and I'm not saying that it's wrong, but it's just our culture over there. We eat animals over there. <laughs> we don't eat dogs, though. We don't eat dogs. <laughs> And so as you can see, these people wanted to make sure that I really knew my wife. Okay? That's all. And so there were other questions he told me that I probably I can't remember right now. Some of them were weird. I'm like, wow. <laughs> okay. So I had to study. I had to go back home and ask my wife questions, you know, just in case I was asked you know, those questions I would be able to answer, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't jeopardize my trip here to get to meet her family. Now, knowing God, you need, to make, you need to be sure that God knows you completely. God does not need to ask anyone any questions to know about you. He made you. He knew you even before you were in the womb of your mom. He knew you. So he knows you completely. He knows things that you don't even know yourself about yourself. So he knows everything. Now for you to get to know God, you do need to have an experience with him. You, need, you do need to seek him wholeheartedly. And how do you do that? How do you get to meet God? How do you get to know God? How do you get to have an experience with God? By studying his word. He has given you his word. Stay in the word. 
study his word every day and he'll reveal himself to you. And the other thing is, engage in prayer. Speak with God. Talk to God every day. The way you talk to your, your, your parents or your friends or your spouse, also have a relationship with God. Talk to God and tell him what you're feeling. If you're angry, tell God, God, right now I feel angry. Right now, I don't, I don't feel like I love this person. Just be honest with him. Just tell him whatever is in your heart. Make him your friend. Amen. Make him your friend and have a relationship with him. And walk with him. Walking with him, the very first time I heard about walking with God, I felt like it was weird. Like, walk, walk with God. I have been learning that God is a spirit. How am I going to walk with a spirit? I'm not a spirit, but yes, you can walk with God. You can walk with God. You can communicate with God. You can keep your mind with God at all times. God is faithful, guys. God is faithful. And he gives us everything that we need for us to have a life of godliness. Godliness, Like he says here in chapter 3, his divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us in his own glory and excellence. He has given us everything we need. We have all we need. God himself is the only being that is able to do something without using something else. Out of nothing, he can create something. It's only God who can do that. But we as human beings, we're not capable of doing that. No, to know God, we need to do something, which is to stay in the word and to communicate with him, to pray, to pray for him. This life is made of processes, by the way. Many of the things that we do are a process. We need something to create something. For women, for example, for them to bake a cake, they need ingredients, right? I don't, I don't really know what ingredients are necessary to, to bake a cake. <laughs> but I do believe that you need ingredients to bake a cake. For those who are in construction, for example, for you to hang a piece of drywall, you need staff to be able to do that, right? You need drywall, you need screws, you need a screw gun, you need glue, you need, you know, a couple other things, right? And once you have those things, now you're prepared to hang your drywall. So it's a process. You need to acquire what is necessary to do that. But for God, that's not how it works. God can create something out of nothing. And in fact, that, that's how he created the world. That's how cre he created the world. And so he, he says in his word that he gives us, he has given us everything that we need to live a life of godliness. You and I can be godly. You and I can live a life of godliness on a daily basis. We can study his word. We can pray. We can stay in prayer with him. We can know him. We can have a relationship with him. 
Amen. I hope you guys are encouraged with this message today. And uh, I pray, I really do pray, that if you do not have a relationship with God, that you may get in the Word and you start pursuing God because He pursues you every day. He comes to you and He wants, He wants, He desires to have a relationship with you. And if you do not have a relationship with God, please, I urge you, I urge you to start studying His Word. To start seeking Him whenever He can be found. And again, he can be found anytime you seek him. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're at work or if you're driving. You can still pray. You can still connect with the Lord. And he'll be always there for you. He'll be always there. He'll be always ready to reveal himself to you. So stay in the word. Get to experience the Lord. Get to experience the Lord. So this is the, as I wrap up here, I'm going to call the worship group to come up here. Many times, we, even knowing God, we are tempted to doubt Him. Especially in these moments when things are the way they are in the world we are tempted to kind of forget about his faithfulness, forget about his uh, goodness. But I'd like to encourage you guys, it doesn't matter what is happening in the world. It doesn't matter what is happening here in America. Persevere in the Lord. I urge you to persevere in the Lord. And he'll respond to you when you seek him and he'll reveal himself to you. What we're going through in, on this earth is just here on earth. There is peace to come. There is peace to come in the Lord, and we can still live that peace. But when Jesus comes, all these things that we see, they'll be gone. They'll be all gone. And we'll live with our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the message that you, you brought this morning. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here and for their relationship with you, Lord. I just want to pray that it would grow stronger and stronger and stronger every day. Help them, Lord, to seek you every day and that they may find you. God, I also want to pray for those who do not have a relationship with you. I pray that you will touch their hearts. Just bring conviction into their lives. That they will seek you. And they would have, to, they would have a relationship with you. They would, they would seek you, Lord, and find you. And just, just have this oneness with you, Lord. And I just want to pray for encouragement to all of us this morning, Lord. That we would, we would not let everything that is going on in the world to affect our faith, to affect our trust in you. Help us to trust you at all times. And that whatever we're going through, Lord, right now, whatever situation we're going through, that we may trust you and trust that you have the answer. 
And whatever happens, your name may be glorified, Lord. Thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for Jesus who died on the cross for our sins. Thank you for grace. I pray for this week, Lord. Help us throughout the week. Just help us to, to focus on you. Help us to seek you this week. Help us to read your word and to stay in prayer. Speak to us this week, Lord Jesus. Help us to have an experience with you and to experience things that we've never experienced before in your love. We love you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.